If you're in construction, then you're in the right place. Welcome to the Constructed Behaviors Podcast. I'm your host, Barb Allen. I'm a woman with decades of experience in the construction industry, and most of it on the job site. I know how rewarding this industry can be, but like you, I also know that we could improve. Let's work together to make changes from the inside out. Okay, everybody. Today I have with me Camille Finan. Uh, she is the host of Remodel Your Life podcast. She has over 30 years in construction. She's based in California. I have known Camille for what, six months? Longer? Longer oh, than that. A year. Longer than that. Um, and I will tell you, I have been so excited to have this conversation with Camille. I, I was just telling her that I woke up this morning in a bad mood. I've already cried once today for what's going on. And just our brief conversation before we started recording, like my whole day has turned around. I'm so excited to talk with you. So thank you so much for joining me on our show today. Oh, I love it. I love it, my friend. This is going to be fun. This is so going to be fun. Okay. So today I really want to focus on women building women. And I mean, you have been one of those women for me uh, in the industry uh, since we've known each other just in this short time. So I'd like you to start by telling everybody what, what is your journey in construction? Like, how did you get in and what are you doing now? Because although I introduced you as the host of Remodel Your Life podcast, you have so many other podcasts and you have one major business that really isn't a podcast business at all. Um, so tell everybody your story. So I, um, so I'll start with what prompted it because I think emotional things typically prompt what we do in life. Right. So I was a daddy's girl and my dad was a contractor and I grew up like right next to his right hip doing stuff all the time on a job site. And so we had this very deep connection and he taught me a whole bunch of stuff, not literally like how to use a chop saw, but like how to be comfortable with yourself, how to go for what you want, um, how to be creative, how to do stuff that's fun that you love. You know, he loved being a contractor, you could tell. And so we had this great deep connection. And then unfortunately he cheated on my mom with his secretary. And so he left fairly abruptly and I didn't see him for almost 10 years. And so it, that like loss of that connection is really what drove pretty much the rest of my life. Like, honestly, that, um, that love of learning for when I got from him, love of doing physical work, but because that happened, I was like, well, I'm never going to be, you know, I, that like option of being a contractor was no longer interesting to me. So, uh, I barely made it through high school and <laughs> luckily didn't get pregnant and, uh, was like, what am I going to do? I just want to make money basically. And so I went to college and got a business degree and a marketing degree and, um, did that for a couple of years until I completely burned out, uh, because I was just basically working in an office all the time and, um, kind of crashed and burned mentally and had to start all over. I just couldn't get up every day. Like basically I was that depressed. And so, that in my very, very early twenties is what started my, my basically construction career, because I was like, I need to do something. My sister suggested, um, going into the carpenters union or doing something in construction, because that's what I did with my free time. And I look back now and know that was just a complete mental health <laughs> pill for me. That was like the only way to get up every day was to work on something in my house. 
Um, and so I did, and I like pretty much instantly fell in love with it. As soon as I started doing it, I was like going back home. It was like, I just loved it instantly. And I recognized I needed something physical to do every day. Like I just, my personality, I just cannot fucking be in an office. I just cannot do it. And so, um, once I knew that was kind of the path, I was like, well, what am I going to do? Like, what am I going to do in construction? I was like you, when you started, I did, had no idea the enormous amount of variety you could do. And, you know, I just thought of my dad. I didn't really know, like there's even now there's just incredible stuff you can do. Like if I went back, I'd go all through the career all over again, like 10 times. And so in the union, I fell in love. I had this really great boss. He spent a lot of time with me. He was incredible. I was really small, really tiny. Like I looked 12 years old and for, and he just, he just acted like he didn't even notice my size or how young I looked. He noticed my curiosity, my ambition. And, um, you know, I'd come in early, I'd stay late. I'd go and do, do weekend jobs and get overtime in San Francisco. And so he basically was the kind of impetus for me getting into finished carpentry. Um, he's the one who taught me really precision with measurements and fineness and finish work and all these different things that you use in kitchens. And we did a lot of cabinetry and countertops. So that's where I got this concept of cabinets and countertops and just find really fine finish work. I fell in love with that. And I was like, this is the, this is the thing. And, uh, I worked there for several years and, um, as usually happens in the union, you get passed over all the time by men. This was 30 years ago. And uh, so I got tired of that and I was like, hmm, I wonder what I can do. <laughs> like, I know how to run a business. So I was just like, I'm just going to take my skills and start a kitchen remodeling business. And so that's what I did and did that for many, many decades. Um, and I know you're going to ask about women and my interaction with women, which was mostly inside my own company, actually. But um, eventually at the height of that business, I had usually between 14 and 15 women, 14 to 16 women working for me, uh, mothers, women with children. I mean, just the, the typical people you would never see in a cabinet shop. They were incredible. Women are amazing cabinet makers. And um, we did about 30 kitchens a month for years. I mean, we just did wow. a lot, a lot of kitchens. Wow. And um, I loved it. Yeah. So that's kind of, I mean, there's a lot in between there, but that was the big focus of my life for several decades. So uh, some, I just learned some new information about you, which excites me, but I have a couple questions and a couple comments based on things you said. So you said your sister suggested, why don't you go into Carpenters Union? What, um, what is your sister's background? Like what made your sister think about Carpenters background? Because I grew yeah. up, uh, as you know, my dad owned an HVAC company. My brother kind of came up in that company and, but my brother would have never looked at me and said, Hey, why don't you go try HVAC or Hey, why don't you go try carpentry? Not that he didn't think I could have done it. It's just not where our family thinking was. So where did your sister come from? Get That's that. really interesting. I've never had anybody actually ask about that specific <laughs> angle. You're right. I never even thought about it myself. Um, so she didn't actually, now that I'm thinking about it, she didn't actually say the Carpenters Union. That came after I'd been working for a little bit. What, what it really was, was she grew up on the job site too. She hated construction. She wanted nothing to do with it. She eventually <laughs> became a nurse. And now it's funny because now she like knows how to use a chop saw. I've taught her how to do all this stuff. But back then she had no interest in anything to do with my dad or any of that. So she basically was just tired of me complaining. <laughs> 
<laughs> he was tired of me complaining and whining about my life is over. I've spent all this time and money on college degrees and a master's degree. And like, what am I going to do? Like, I'm literally starting over from scratch. What a huge waste of time. Like, I'm a loser. What am I going to do? Like, that's basically what I was doing. And she was just like, oh, for God's sakes, like, just go work in construction is basically what she said, like, just out of frustration. Um, but I think it's just because she was around it too. So she saw, she, for her, it wasn't impossible that I could do that. Yeah. You know, I didn't actually really know I could do it. I mean, I knew I was handy. I knew I was comfortable with my body and doing physical things and all that. Like I wasn't really scared of it, but there's a big difference between knowing how to hang a shelf in your house or put up a little, do a little baseboard trim in your house or, and make a living out of it. Like with full grown men that are twice your size, um, twice your strength. Like that, I did not know if I could do that. Like a hundred percent. I did not know I could pull that off. Well, and what's interesting to me about that is that for me, when, you know, my degree is in construction management and I knew I wanted to be a superintendent and I knew they were putting me into the carpenters program. And I was nervous because I figured that the other guys that were getting hired for this position, they had all this experience. They'd actually built and done stuff. I roofed houses one summer. That's really the extent of the, any kind of physical. That's a hard fucking job. It, it is. Um, is not physically easy weather, all kinds of things. No, so it's not, but it, it was not, doesn't relate at all to the commercial construction work that the company I was hired for was doing. So it didn't relate, but there's something about, I was just, I was just raised that, okay, figure it out. If you want to know, if you want to do yeah. something, go do it. I believed, and I still to this day believe I could do whatever I set my mind out to do. And um, I didn't really think much about, ooh, being scared about whether or not I could do it. My, my I was just more of a, oh, what are the guys going to think? Like, oh, as I'm yeah. learning to do it, am I going to look stupid? Like, I yeah. knew I could freaking do it. I there. There's very little you can put in front of me that I can't do. One of those things is eating raisins. I can't eat raisins. I can't stand raisins. I don't like wow. smell Okay, raisins. mine is like whitewater river rafting, but okay. Oh raisins. my gosh, that's hilarious. Wow. Or roller coasters. I don't do any thrill stuff like that. I have to, like, I can fly a plane, but that's because I'm in control. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> a little bit of a control freak. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so um, let's talk about your interactions with women as, as you've been on your journey. And you mentioned that you just really didn't have any. And I know that you interviewed me for your show, um, I think maybe back even in November, January, something like that. But in that interview, you were surprised to find out that when I was in the Carpenters Union in Kansas City uh, back in the late 90s, early 2000s, that I was not the only woman. And that Jay Dunn that I worked for actually had, I think, three other women carpenters at the time. And that, that was surprising to you. And I thought that was surprising that someone from California would not have had more experience. So tell me more about how many women did you encounter and where did you encounter them? And at what point in your career did they start to become more prevalent? Mm -hmm. um, so I think I just had a kind of a unique experience because I've, you know, I've had this question before and I've, now that I have the podcast, you know, I've paid attention to other women and their experiences and stuff. And I think I just was kind of an outsider. I was probably a loner by nature because of my dad and just that being uncomfortable, being vulnerable, you know, he definitely messed me up with some of that stuff. Um, but from a work standpoint, you know, every time I would 
So I think part of it is because I own my own company. I recognized right away in the union, if I wanted to create my own experience, I needed to create my own reality. So that's why I literally created my own company. That's why after probably two years of hiring just pretty much anybody that would walk in the door, I would train them. So it was a, it was a combination of mostly men. And I recognized pretty much within the first two years that I only wanted to work with women. And I'd rather just take someone that had no experience, train them from the ground up, for attitude, ambition, personality, kindness, generosity. Like that's what I was looking for. And so that's how I eventually came to be just women. And I in the, worked in the shop. And I also did the same thing with my clients. Within the first four years, I'd say, I recognized that I didn't enjoy working with male clients as much. And I recognized there was an opportunity for me in the kitchen remodeling industry to actually focus on the woman, which I know sounds kind of like, isn't that what everybody's doing, but they're not. And they're still not doing it. Actually, most people try to get the husband to get, to sign off on the kitchen. And so, uh, so I, I just, in my personal life, I think because most of my customers are women, I had interactions with them and I felt very empowered, empowering them to to really understand what's going on in their remodeling job. And then I felt empowered because I was helping all these women who were usually, you know, maybe they were on welfare when they met me, maybe they worked at Taco Bell, maybe they, you know, worked as a, as a waitress, you know, they were hardworking women that everybody overlooked and didn't think they could do anything of it with any real skill. So I felt very empowered with that just in my own company. And I didn't have to deal with the, 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 construction job site stuff that you deal with with men on a like a larger you know carpenters union job I just did that just went away for me because I controlled the whole experience so I think I got a lot of my needs met from my own company for one but I also when I so that I never saw any female carpenters ever for like 25 years I never met a single one I would go to trade shows uh, because I was busy I'm running my own company, you know, I didn't, I didn't go to trade shows every week or sorry, every year I would go every couple of years. I would never see any women there. Um, I, over time, I recognized that there was like the national association of women. And there was, there were some of these larger trade shows and I would try to interact with them. I would submit myself to be a panelist. I would, you know, try to kind of be involved myself and stuff. And I was never selected. I was never invited to participate in any of that stuff. And I mean, I was by far one of the most successful cabinet shops in Northern California, by far, not even, and it doesn't even matter being a female, just, I mean, I made millions and millions of dollars and most men make $500,000 maybe with a cabinet shop, a couple hundred thousand. Um, so I just was always an outsider. Like I just never felt really accepted. And, um, I kind of recognized over time that there was definitely a good old girls network, not just a good old boys network. And I just wasn't in it, right? I wasn't included. Um, as time went on, the internet happened and, and um, Facebook and Instagram, right? Which is only 10 years ago, right? Like that's only 10, 12 years ago. Oh. Instagram really only took off eight years ago, maybe less, I mean, compared to what it is now. So when I was trying to network, you know, there was no internet in the way that people think you couldn't just type in a search and find there was no podcast, there was no websites, right? So, you know, over the years, I now recognize there were other women in my area, like down south, come here, mommy, that's my cat. Um, who, but we were like working simultaneously, but we never met each other because of the internet, right? Come here. 
Sorry, that's my kitty cat. <laughs> I hear her. Um, my dog and, is snoring next to me. I don't think you can hear her, so I haven't stopped her yet. But <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. She doesn't. She rarely cries, so I don't even know what she was crying about. Um, so I. So then, you know, eight to nine years ago, ten years ago, I'm trying to remember now because we lost like three years for COVID. Um, I when I decided I wanted to retire at fifty, I basically made a plan many, many years before to transition my business. And I wanted to make a bigger impact. And so that remodel your life podcast was my very sort of first version of trying to figure out, okay, so if I wanted to work with more women or be around women or have this connection, how can I do that? How can I serve the industry like in my own way? So that podcast was kind of a response to the fact that I felt like an outsider. I was like, I'm just going to create my own network, my own group of people that I really like that I, you know, because now the internet was there and I could see some of these women and I was like, wow, these women are amazing. <laughs> like they've been doing all these cool things. And I like, I had no idea. So, um, but when I did create the podcast and reached out, I mean, I had amazing connections like you, amazing connections to just some amazing women that now I look back and I wish I'd had those relationships, but they were all over the country Right. They were busy. They were in a lot of those national organizations, but I just never met them. Right. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I guess the answer is, is what has been my relationship in the last 10 years? I'd say it's different. It's much better because I'm now friends with all those people that are, that have been on my show. Um, they've been very generous and kind, and we kind of have a network in the background where I've helped people get jobs and start businesses and, when they're struggling, they reach out to me and I help with whatever I can. I've donated money. I mean, I have a scholarship fund. So I've been able to basically make a difference in my own way, which is a theme. I'm not doing that on purpose, but I just, I'm like, I don't want to wait any longer to make the impact that I want to make. And so I've, I feel like I've made a pretty good size impact actually in my own, in my own little small way. Oh, I've impacted have. a lot of women who are leaders in their own little groups, right. In their own audiences and um, helped many of them start businesses and be very successful and go from, you know, a job site to starting a business, um, maybe start a podcast or get a better job at their the company they're working at or transition from one trade to another trade. Or right. So I feel like that's better than just being a part of a, of a trade organization for me. Well, and I think that we all, women who are helping women uh, do it for a reason. And I think all of our reasons are, are a little different. For me, um, I really started helping women because once I got to a place where I felt like I'd kind of reached the top, I was mm -hmm. like, okay, how much better would this have been if there could I could have had a mentor? And yeah. so I wanted to start mentoring women. And that's, you know, for me, that's the main reason I am still in NAWIC, uh, National Association of Women in Construction. If I'm a hundred percent honest, it's a great organization, but I don't get a lot out of it as far as growing my career or my business. What I get out of it is being able to help the younger generations of women that are coming up in the industry. And so that's how that's how or why I decided to start giving back is because I didn't have that mentor. And I, from what I'm hearing you say, you started to build up women and bring women in because you just weren't being treated as if you were very important. So you wanted to show other women that they were important and that yeah. they could do it. And no. so my next question to you is, 
Um, I get so many people who ask, well, how do we get more women into the industry? And so the last couple of episodes that I've done, one was busting the myth of um, women can't do this job. And the other one is women don't want to do these jobs. Mm -hmm. Um, But you went out there and you developed this, uh, created this cabinet shop with women building cabinets. And like you said, um, I'm going to miss up, mess up the quote a little, they came from target or from Dairy yeah. Queen or wherever, right? Like Dairy I want to know, <laughs> I want to know, I don't know if they have Dairy Queen in California, but I want to know, um, how did that come? And I think the listeners want to know too, like, how did you broach those conversations? How did you get women? Cause I'm sure, I'm sure I'm a hundred percent certain. Some of those women you first reached out to were like, are you kidding me? Like, no, I don't do this. Like, how can, how did you do it? And how do you, what, what advice do you have for people getting more women into construction? Yeah. It's interesting. Like I, until you just asked me that, I was like, yeah, it is kind of like, I was like really aggressive with that. You know, I didn't think about it at the time, but I do definitely like yours, that what you originally said, you said, I always had this belief that I could just do kind of anything that I set my mind to. That's probably like, I don't want to cry, but that's by far the best thing my dad gave me that I didn't recognize it then, but I can look back now at 55, turning 55 tomorrow. Like that's, that's the best gift he, you can ever give a daughter is give her the feeling in whatever way that she can do anything. And she, you just, you can't stop that belief. Once you have that inside of you, it's just like this immovable force. So I've had the same thing. And anytime I meet like an obstacle, like being excluded from the industry, from the women in the industry, right. I just was like, okay, that hurts. That makes me feel bad, but what can I actually do? And I have a lot more authority than I, a lot more, you know, like leverage than I think I know the construction world. I know women can do it. And I know I can help these women that are basically poor and think they can't make any money. That's what I know now. It's like, so it's like, how do you change that? So for me, like when I'm at Lowe's almost every single fucking morning, right. Um, I'm not as much now, but I used to be literally every single morning, 6am. And so I would see women in there buying a sheet of plywood, or I would see her struggling in the shelf aisle, or I would see her trying to wander around looking for a tool, right? And I would just say, hey, what are you doing? You know, and she'd be like, oh, I'm trying to build this little thing. And my brother was supposed to help me, but he's not helping me. And then, oh, that's interesting. Here's my card. I run a cabinet shop. If you're ever looking for a job, give me a call, right? We pay $25 an hour, which is, you know, triple what she was getting. You're recruiting and- at Lowe's in the aisles. I love oh, absolutely. it. Absolutely. Oh, I recruit. I love I recruit. This. And I still do this. Like I recruited you, right? I reach out to the people. So I've done that for years. I reach out for what I want. If I see... I go to restaurants all the time. You know, I love cocktails. You know this. I'm in bars and lounges all the time. Uh, I love a great specialty cocktail. And so I'll have a great waitress. I can just see how she takes care of her section. And I'm like, you know what? You're fantastic at your job. If you ever want to make $25 an hour, here's my card. Here's what we do. You don't have to have any experience. You can come and meet the other ladies and just come and hang out with us, have a coffee and see what we do. And they would, they'd show up out of curiosity and then they didn't believe they could do it either. And then Maybe they might work for a weekend or something, or um, invariably about 80% of those people ended up working for us. And so I did that, you know, with waitresses. Um, Anytime I saw a little spark of genius, I saw somebody really taking care of a customer and, you know, you just, 
you can't fake that stuff, right? When you really care about a job, it doesn't matter how menial the job is. Um, so that's one way I did it. And then just in the industry, like when Facebook came on and Instagram came on and I see somebody, this is another reason for the show. You said, um, you know, I didn't feel like I was important to them. And so I wanted to make other people feel important. And you're right. Like I never even thought about that till you said that. So that's very genius. Um, but you're right. That's, that was a big part of the show was I, I, again, at that time, there wasn't a lot of podcasts. Now everybody has a podcast, but back then I was one of very few podcasts doing women in construction. And I looked at what was being done and I was like, well, I want to do, I don't want to just interview the people that are on every other show. I want to take the woman who nobody is noticing, who's doing amazing stuff. And I want to shine some light on her. And so that's what I did with the podcast was kind of the same thing I did in real life. It's like, I'd see someone, I'd go, that person would be an amazing sales rep for us, or that person would be great with customer service or whatever it was. And I would just walk up to them and start talking to them. And most people are very unhappy with their jobs. Like most people hate their jobs. Okay. Like literally, <laughs> like we are lucky that we love our jobs. Most yeah. people hate their jobs. So it's not a hard conversation. It's a little bit weird because you're a stranger, but you know, I'm a woman and I give a real, my real cell number and I, and you know, if they're motivated at all to try to change their life, they will at least call and then stop by the shop. And when they see that it's legit, they're like, this is amazing. These are all women building cabins right now. Like what? So it wasn't, it wasn't that hard to sell. Um, because women love cool shit. They love interesting stuff. Like yeah. they love being creative with their hands. It's just, they never get a chance to do it. So in answer to your question, like, how did I convince them or what what do I say to get more women interested? Like for me, it's, it's not a really hard sell to be honest. There's, there's of course the logistics, they think they're small or they're not strong enough or how hard is it? And all the, like, there's the normal logistics, but actually you think that about any job. Like if you're going to go be a race car driver or not even that a cake decorator, am I going to be good with the frosting? Do I know how to make a rosette? Am I going to know how to make the cakes in time? Like everybody has questions about a job. Like that's just normal. Right. But the big things are the creativity being able to see the before and after the tangible effect of seeing what you do every day. That's a big selling point. The confidence you get from being good with your tools, the self-esteem, the amount of money you can make, like so much fucking money. Like nobody ever talks about the money. Like I've been a millionaire since I was in my twenties because of construction. Like nobody talks about it. And so I feel like I talk about it all the time. And if you're not making money in construction, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> like you're just, there's, there's a lot of ways to make a lot of money in construction, way more than most people think. So I just highlighted all that stuff. I highlighted the schedule, the flexibility. Um, you know, we ran a really tight shop. We didn't, we weren't just long hours. We were incredibly efficient and the women all got a percentage of profit sharing. So like every job they brought in, they got a percentage of the sale. Didn't matter who they were, if they swept the floor if they were packaging, it didn't matter what they did. If you brought a kitchen in, you got a percentage, you got a commission on that kitchen, period. Same as everybody else. So like, there's things like that, that you can do that you can't do in regular jobs as, as easily. Yeah. Um, and the ability to like cross train women like being able to do a lot of things. They like the creativity of maybe you want to work in finishing and then you kind of get tired of that. Okay. You just want to do assembly, or maybe you want to do installs for a few weeks, or, you know, maybe you want to work with the customers on the design part or, I think women are not sold to in the ways that it actually matters, which is all that flexibility, all those amazing skills you learn. Um, 
you know, it's just, it's fun to be good at something in a lot of different ways. And we don't sell that to women. You know, we don't sell, it's just like, you just show up and you spend eight hours and that's a job. We don't sell that. You can actually like all the hours in that day. And, um, oh, here's another thing that I, I always forget to say, which is efficiency. The women that are drawn to this industry, like efficiency, they like things being done correctly. They like problem solving. Right. So like my sister does not care about that at all. (laughs) She's a nurse. However long it takes to save that baby, that's what it takes, right? That's her thing. So she's found something that works for her. But I found that most women that are in construction really thrive on efficiency. They like problem solving. They like um, figuring things out. And they like a faster, better way of doing, not fast, like just speed. They don't like wasting time on stuff that doesn't matter. And so they were really drawn to me because I'm like, you will never just spend hours doing menial shit that doesn't make any sense. Right. Like, so that's how I sell it. Well, and I want to go back and touch on the money part because, um, one, I don't want to discourage anyone because, um, not everyone's a millionaire in their twenties. Um, that is an exceptional case. And yes, can you, can people get there? Absolutely. I'm not one of them, but I do want to share that for me at 27 is when I made my first, my W2 came in and it was six figures at 27. And That's so, and yeah. that for me, I'm more normal. Like, um, not that you're not normal. You're, no, but you're that is very. That's what I consider very su- financially successful. You own your own house. You've had rental property. You've been very financially successful. Yes. Like, yeah. I just yeah. want people listening to understand that I, I would consider myself the norm. And for me, the norm. And granted, I started in 1996. Actually, that's when I graduated college. That's when I started my actual career. And in by the time I was 27, I was making six figures. And so those dollars are different now. They're making six figures faster because kids are getting hired out of college. If they're going the college route, they're getting hired out of college and easily making 65, 70, $75,000 to start. There is money in this business. Great benefits. Yes. Well, and the other thing is I I was at a a church group last night and this woman made this comment that I'd never heard before, um, but she was talking about a divorce and um, that there was a statistic out there and I'm going to get it wrong, but you'll get the gist of it, everybody, that she said that it takes women X number of years, or she said, women don't ever fully recover financially from a divorce. Men, I think the statistic was three to five years, they're back and everything's normal. And I thought I went through a divorce. I was immediately like, it didn't matter to me that I no longer had another income coming in. Like I didn't have that time to rebuild. And that's because of the career I chose and my money management skills that went along with it. So I don't want to dwell on the money part, but I just, I want to I want to clarify that what Camille's saying is so true. There is money in it um, from the beginning. But it's something else I'd like you to elaborate on. I think you made the comment um, that you look for those sparks of genius. Can Mm -hmm. you elaborate for the listeners on what you consider sparks of genius so that when they are interacting with people, these are things that they'll remember you said make somebody great for our industry? Hmm. Well, so I used to have a test. Um, so one, is, I think sparks of genius, I mean, efficiency, kindness, really paying attention to something like when you're a waitress and 
you know, you can see that there's eight people trying to get a glass of water and the, she's just walking around blindly, not noticing anything that's happening, right? That's a type of employee versus the person who immediately, the second you walk in, acknowledges you, even if she's busy, she's like, I got you, give me a minute, right? Like there's just subtle things like that of just basic spatial awareness of what's going on around you. And you can see the person who's doing that in whatever job they have. Um, do they look you right in the eye? Do they acknowledge you? Do they, do they seem interested in you? I mean, these are kind of like basic customer service skills, but they're, it's like, you're not going through the motions. You're just doing it because you don't know a better way. Right. So I'm looking for that. Um, another thing is like when they come out to the you know, come out to the shop. And like, I'd say, sometimes I would actually say, oh, meet me over at Lowe's. Right. And so I would just literally get out of my, get be in the parking lot. I get out of my truck and I would just, I mean, I'm short. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm five foot three. So I got short legs and I would just briskly walk from the front of the store to the back of the store, like where the lumber's at. And I would just see if they can keep up with me. Like literally if you, if you're, and this would be, let's say this is a man, he's six feet tall. And he's literally like lounging, like he's like 10 feet behind me. I'm like, nah, nah, brah, <laughs> it's not going to work. <laughs> so like little things like that, like, do you pay attention to what your boss is doing? Are you anticipating what he or she is doing? And, you know, like, are you aware of what's happening and interested in it? I guess I'm not, not sure if I'm really answering the question, but I mean, outside of just watching what people do and how they interact. And you can see the, sh the sparks of genius. You can see the people that really stand out. Um, and generally those are the people that want more out of life anyways. They're generally interested in something more, but they're kind of stuck and they don't know, right? You, they have to stay in that job to pay their rent, to pay their bills. There's no real avenue for them to get off that exit and get on another freeway. So I'm basically just giving them another little, little, little side road, they yeah. could travel for a little bit and then jump on my freeway. Right. So I'm going to summarize the sparks yes. of genius uh, <laughs> okay. in a little bullet point format here. Um, somebody that looks you in the eye, somebody that is showing efficiency in what they're doing, someone that is paying attention to the details of what they're doing, someone who is good at personal interactions and making sure that everyone knows that they're important, the pace at what they're doing, their work, and the ability to anticipate what's about to happen. Much better said. Beautiful. It's exactly what you said. I just summarized <laughs> it. Kind of talked all over the place, but yes, that's that's it. Yeah. Okay, those are great. Um, okay, let's see where are we at on my questions here. Um, let's. Um, well, I think one of your questions I didn't ask answer was so how do I think we can get more women in the industry? Now I've done it personally by hiring people in my own shop. That's how I solved that problem. Mm -hmm. I did it by interviewing amazing women on my podcast and bringing attention to them. Right. Um, I also had a carpentry school where I taught a bunch of women, 23,000 women, how to do basic power tools, five power tools. Uh, I did that while we were doing the, the main shop. So that's how I did it. So I, I advocate for people. There's a lot of ways you can privately bring women into the industry, right? Like there's things you can do individually. Um, you know, if you're a construction company and, and I can just tell you women close so much faster than men. They're amazing at selling, just being out on the job site, just installing, just being around you everywhere they go, everybody they talk to, they bring so much business. Um, they're so good at just talking about the thing they're passionate about, whatever that is, whether it's in roofing or, you know, glass doors or shower doors or cabinets or whatever the thing is, 
women bring so much to the job. Yeah. I mean, and it, it doesn't matter what industry it's in. You'll notice that some of the most successful construction businesses have women front facing because whether that's, you know, my, my glass, my local glass company, I love Andrea. She knows so many details. She knows all the personalities of all the vendors, other contractors like me, when we're selling shower doors or whatever for our, for our clients, she knows how to solve problems. She knows how to deal with a difficult client. She knows how to deal with someone who's not paying their bill. And when someone walks in, they feel welcome. They feel interested. She's, she's basically selling the job, even though she's really just an order taker. She's just quote unquote the girl at the front desk, but she's not, she's the most important part of that entire business. So like, if you don't understand that as a business owner, as a owner of a big construction company, you're missing this massive thing that you can do by having women be the people that people are interacting with because they're just naturally good at selling. Even when they're not selling, they're just good at explaining things, good at listening to clients, dealing with problems, um, avoiding problems because women can see a problem coming a mile away and be like, that's not going to work. We need to divert. We need to do this, right? They're just really naturally good at that stuff. Yep. So how to get more women in, I would just challenge people who traditionally maybe think, oh, well, I can only get them from a national trade organization. Why? Why don't you try to think something like I did? Nobody told, gave me a roadmap for that. I was just like, well, I want to have, I want to try to have more women work for me. What could I do to make that happen? And I just started reaching out to them, inviting them into the shop, teaching them a little bit, showing them a little bit of the opportunity. And they just like took to it, right? Like they just took to it and um, they were loyal. They were kind to my customers. I mean, there's so many inherent qualities they had that I'd never had to teach. They didn't smoke weed. They didn't smoke, smoke cigarettes. They didn't, they didn't drag their money boots. They didn't drop their tools in the middle of her finished, beautiful hardwood floors that she just had done. Like they were good with animals, with children, with parking. Like they were just so inherently caring about the job and damage that I didn't even have to really explain a lot of that stuff, right? right? So there's just a lot of qualities that I think other companies can be thinking of outside the box. So I just challenge them to think outside the box, your own little community, whatever city you're in, Atlanta, wherever you're at, think how could we reach out to some women and invite them to maybe come to a weekend workshop, right? Like you don't have to wait for a trade organization to do that. Like if you're a roofing company and you recognize, wow, it'd be cool to have more women you can just throw a little weekend workshop where you invite some women in um, and and show them what you do a little bit or let them hold the tools or explain the job or I don't know. Like there's just things that I think we could just be doing instead of waiting for large national organizations to do things. I think individual companies can just do stuff. Absolutely. Start reaching out and inviting women they find. Absolutely. I, I have loved this entire conversation. Do you have anything in the pipeline, anything exciting that you're doing now that you want to, or getting ready to do that you want to promote? Yes. Um, so it's going to be coming out. I have It's not out yet, but I'm starting another podcast, a true crime podcast, and it's going to be focused on construction job sites. And so, you know, um, things that happen on jo- construction job sites, um, safety issues, um, diff- all kinds of things happen on job sites that, you know, they're technically out there, but not in the format that I think I'm going to share it, which I'm, I'm hoping will be really useful, kind of interesting, kind of fun. Um, and yeah, I'm just ready for something kind of creative and I love true crime. I love solving crime problems. <laughs> and, uh, 
I just think it'll be really fun. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to share the name, but that will be coming out um, in the fall. So I'm excited. I think that's awesome. I've never heard of any podcast like that. So I think the industry is going to love that. So I will look forward to it. Um, Thank you. Thank you for taking the time today. I hope that you have a great birthday tomorrow. And I am so excited to meet you finally in person next month. So that will be amazing. Um, Thank you for joining us today, Camille. Awesome. It was, it was great fun. If you know someone that could benefit from this particular episode, then share it with them. Or if you want to continue to learn about the untapped and underutilized resources that will take your business to the next level, then follow the podcast. You don't want to miss an episode where we discuss what you needed to hear. And lastly, there is a link in the show notes that will allow you to reach out to me directly if you want to accelerate that learning curve. Thanks for listening. Talk soon.